And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need, to, what you need before you ask them. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. Rob's gonna come up and share God's word with us. Rob, let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for this man of God. We thank you for the time and the preparations he's put into uh, the word you have for us today. And as I've prayed before, Lord, would you help us to see you afresh? Give us ears to hear your word this morning. Would you feel, Rob, afresh right now in this moment that we, he would speak your very words? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Tim. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. My name's Rob, married to Jane. Come here with my dad, Eddie. We've been coming for about a year now. Uh, and if you're like new today, if you're wondering actually, you know, uh, where could my new church home be? Well, for me and Jane and Dad, you know, about a year ago, we were looking for a church that held Christ central. We were looking for a church that uh, held high value in the Word, that was open to the Holy Spirit. And we were looking for a church that would be family to us. And we found that at Central. Now, I know, like, there's the call of God and all of that, uh, which is really important. But if you're looking for a new church today and you hold those values in your heart too, then all I can say is this church will be family to you. All right? Well, look, today we're going to... I'm going to try not to kick that over. Today we're going to continue our series today. So um, Tim, the vicar, started us off last week with our new series on the attentive life. And the attentive life really started by looking at Mary and Martha. And really it was a story of attention versus distraction. And we looked at this in Luke 10. And, and then really what I'd love to do today is build on the fantastic keys that Tim gave us last week to how we remove distraction from our lives. Uh, we're going to look at the topic of prayer through what is probably the most famous passage on prayer, which we've heard twice already, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's Gospel. Now, this, uh, this Lord's Prayer, this, this passage of Scripture, is really part of something called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus has been teaching his disciples specific things, things like, well, what does a godly character look like? How should we be influencing our communities for good? And how our righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. And as the sermon continues and we step into chapter 6, 
this theme of righteousness continues. But Jesus is now moving the emphasis away from moral righteousness to religious righteousness. As he talks about things like giving and praying and fasting, and as he does, he says this. He basically says, look, make sure that these important parts of your relationship with God aren't on show for the world to see. No, what you give, when you pray, when you fast, they are for the audience of just one, your Father in heaven. Why? Well, because Jesus knows the danger of outworking these important parts of our relationship with God in public. He knows that it would quickly become about us instead of God, that our motive for praying and giving and fasting would become about us looking good instead of um, being a response to God's love for us. And so he warns his disciples, telling them, if you tithe to demonstrate your own generosity, if you pray in such a way as to let everyone else know how righteous you are, if you fast in such a way as to let everyone know how holy you are, you may get the admiration of men, but that's all you're ever going to get. You will have received your payment in full. Because every time you behave like this, you will miss out on God's reward for you. However, if you want God's reward, then you need to do these things for the audience of one. And so this morning, we're going to look at the second of these practices, the practice of prayer, and see how Jesus wants his disciples to approach it. First, Jesus says, create an environment that is for the audience of one. Therefore, go into your room and shut the door. Now, this was Jesus' practice himself. In Mark 1.35, we read, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You see, the room that Jesus tells us to be alone with God in isn't necessarily a physical one. But it is a private space, one where there isn't any distraction. So whether it's a bedroom or an open field, it just needs to be a place where the world can't distract us. Now that sounds great, Rob. But my little ones, they even follow me into the toilet. I haven't had any privacy for the last three years of my life. And if that's you this morning, I just want to say God gets it. He understands. You know, when Sophie was a baby, she had this knack of waking up as soon as she heard me move in the morning. It was like she was some sort of ninja baby. And once she was up, she wanted my full attention. So while she was watching Cinderella or Snow White or Sleeping Beauty, I would try and pray, but within 30 seconds, these little fingers would appear on my eyelids and start to prise them apart because I had to watch it with her. Now, I adopted as much as I could. Sometimes I'd go for a walk at lunchtime and pray, but usually those times with Sophie and Cinderella were my main times with God. But what I discovered was that as I leant into God's grace, as I leant into God's grace and stopped condemning myself for being such a rubbish prayer, God started to talk to me about my relationship with him through Sophie's relationship with me. I learned so much about his unconditional love for me, his infinite patience with me, and how his grace truly does cover over a multitude of my sins through being with Sophie. You see, God gets your season. He gets it that toddlers don't give you a moment's peace, but he wants you to remember that he's your father. And at the end of the day, he just wants time with you. 
And if it involves us toddlers sitting on your lap, pulling your eyelids apart, whilst you're praying, he's okay with that. Why? Because spending time with our Father is the heart of prayer. It's what we are designed, what we're created for, is to know him and to be with him. That's why Jesus starts his teaching with this incredible statement, our Father. Jesus calls the great I am, Abba, literally Daddy God, because he knew what his position was before God, that he was his son. And he knew that through the cross, we would have this same position too. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. He says in Galatians 4, 6, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Romans 8, 15 says, cries out, Abba, Father. Prayer is the secret place because prayer is the place where God's children call out to their father, God. And what does Abba's children cry? They cry, hallowed be your name. Why? Because as children of God, the most natural thing we want to do is hallow, that is honor the one who has made us his sons. And the amazing thing is, is that as we honor and worship our father for who he is, he goes and rewards us by increasing our faith. Let me prove it to you. Let me show you. Just for one moment, come into my secret place. My secret place is normally my front room. And as I start to call out to my father, watch our faith increase. Father, I love you. I worship you, my God and my King. For you alone are worthy of my worship and praise. For you are the beginning and the end. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the one who was and is and is to come. The pre-existent, immutable God of glory who reigns as King of kings and at whose name every knee shall bow and tongue confess that you are Lord. You are the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present King of glory, the one through whom all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. My God, you are holy. You are righteous. You are my everlasting father, my prince of peace. You truly are wonderful and counselor. Do you feel your faith rise as you remember who we're praying to? And what did that take? I don't know, 30 seconds? It's a gift. And as well as honoring our Father for who he is, we also hallow him for what he's done. And there's no other place to start than at the cross. So once we've honored our Father for who he is, let's spend a few moments then thanking him that once I was lost. I was dead in my sin. I was without hope, but through the cross, he found me. He made me alive. He gave me the hope of eternal life. That through Christ's blood, I'm forgiven. I'm set free. I'm made a son. I've been adopted into his family. That through Christ's resurrection from the dead, I have this hope that is steadfast and certain that one day I will be with Christ forever. There is just one result of honoring God for what he's done in our lives. And it's another reward. It's a thankful heart. 
It's a heart full of worship. You see, as we remind ourselves that we have been saved by grace alone, and that by this grace we have exchanged slavery for freedom, uh, our state of being an orphan for sonship, for being lost and hopeless for eternity at home in heaven, there can only be one response from us, can't there? It's a heart of gratitude. It's a heart that wants to give back, to live a life for God and others and not for me, myself and I. It's a kingdom heart. It's one that is full of faith to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we've only been praying for a few minutes. Yet in this secret place, quickly, it has become a place of awe. That the God of heaven and earth is my father, my Abba. It's become a place of wonder because of who he is. It's become a place of worship because of what our father has done for us. And it's in this place of awe, wonder and worship that we then receive God's ultimate reward for us. What is his ultimate reward for us? It's his presence. Why? Because these other rewards of faith, a heart of gratitude, a kingdom mindset, they attract Father to us. And all we've done is give God the glory that he is due. Yet he rewards us with his very presence. You know, the psalmist tells us there's nothing like his presence because in his presence is what? Fullness of joy. God is so good. He rewards us with fullness of joy just because we shut the door and worshipped him for who he is and what he has done. You know, the book of Nehemiah tells us that this joy, this joy of the Lord is our strength. He brings that joy because that is who God is. He brings it into our hearts, but then he brings it for purpose. He brings it to strengthen us, to give us the strength to not take a second look at that lady who works in the office opposite us, to give us the strength to not gossip about your boss with others, to give us the strength to not lose our temper with our children when they spill food on our nice clean floors, the strength to keep going in your marriage when it's a tough season, the strength to keep calling your friend who's got depression when all their other friends have fallen away. You know, it's funny, isn't it, how as Christians we can go chasing the next conference or worship event, trying to experience the presence of God, that moment with the king. Yet the scripture tells us all we gotta do is shut the door, remove the distractions, Pray to our Father in heaven and we will know the presence of the King, the King who brings fullness of joy, a joy that strengthens us for the day. How amazing is our Father? How good is our God? But he doesn't stop there. There's more. You see, in this secret place, as we have shut the door, as we have honoured God for who he is and what he's done, as he's rewarded us with increasing our faith, giving us a heart of gratitude, a kingdom mindset, as it then ushers in the presence of God that brings the joy of the Lord, which strengthens us for each day. In his presence, God then grows us. He grows us in Christ in three ways. He gives us our daily bread. He forgives us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then he leads us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. So let's look at the first of these. 
He grows us in Christ by giving us our daily bread. You know, when we shut the door and we pray to our Father in heaven, we come into this secret place of encouragement and sustenance for the journey because he gives us our daily bread. See, in 1 Kings 19, we find Elijah and he's in the secret place with God. He's in this solitary place and he's not in a good way. He says, I've had enough, God. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. How often do we find ourselves in the same state as Elijah? Our kids aren't walking with Christ despite years of prayer. You and your husband or wife, you always seem to be arguing. Uh, relationships at work are not, not making you want to go in tomorrow. Uh, the dreams that you had seem but a futile memory as you feel stuck in the daily grind of life. Your illness is prolonged. The pain is getting worse and you're questioning where God is in all this. And like Elijah, we say, I've had enough, God. Now, it's quite amazing how Elijah has got himself into this mindset. Because a few days earlier, he had been witness to two and part of two miracles on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18. Firstly, Elijah witnesses his God who answers by fire as God brings about a remarkable victory versus King Ahab and his 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. Secondly, Elijah then sees an amazing breakthrough. Uh, as three and a half years earlier, he had prophesied in 1 Kings 17 that there'd be no rain in Israel. And then following the victory over the prophets of Baal, three and a half years later, Elijah then prophesies again that the rain will return, and it does. Should Elijah not be full of faith? Yet when Jezebel, the queen of Israel, wants to have Elijah killed in response to his part in God's victory on Mount Carmel, Elijah, full of fear, he runs away. It's amazing, isn't it, how quickly discouragement can derail us from the plans and journey that God has for us. So what happens? Well, even though he's discouraged, Elijah does the right thing. He goes into the secret place, that place of just being alone with God, and he prays, and he cries out to God, God, it's so bad, I give up. How does God respond? He encourages Elijah by giving him sustenance for the journey. Literally, he gives Elijah his daily bread. In verses six and verse eight, we see God wakes him from sleep and he has hot bread waiting for him. He says, Elijah, take and eat this. You need this for the journey. The result? Well, being strengthened by the food, Elijah then travels 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Who's been discouraged at some point like Elijah this week? I'm sure some of you have. Well, like Elijah, we need to come to the secret place so that we can receive our daily bread, that sustenance, that encouragement for the journey. And for us, what's our daily bread? Our daily bread is the word of God. It needs to dwell in us richly. We need to be able to meditate on it in our Father's presence because it encourages us for the journey. You see, it is a lamp unto our feet and it's a light unto our path. It directs us for the journey. It is a double-edged sword. It is living. It is active. It is sharpened in a double-edged sword. It divides soul and spirit, bone and marrow. It penetrates the innermost thoughts of the heart. It gives us wisdom and discernment for the journey. Is he 
his word not like a hammer that smashes stone. It gives us breakthrough for the journey. Simply, his word never returns null and void. It always accomplishes everything it sets out and purposes to do. Therefore, as Father gives us his word in the secret place, it sustains us and it encourages us on the journey. It reminds us tomorrow morning, (coughs) sorry, that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. It reminds us tomorrow morning that if he is for you, who can be against you? That nothing can separate you from the love of God. That he will keep you in perfect peace. That he is your strong tower. He is your rock of ages. He will not let your foot slip. And you may be sitting there going, Rob, that's all very good. But I can't in that moment remember any scripture. And by the time I go looking for something, I feel like the moment's gone and I just don't know what to do. Well, let's be intentional. Let's be deliberate. Let's learn one bit of scripture that we can use for the entire year as we're in the secret place and we're preparing for the day and allow God to feed us for the day. I would recommend you learn something that we all know pretty well. Psalm 23. There is so much in that psalm to give us bread for the day. Imagine Monday morning, you've picked up the bills. Well, they've come on email now. You've opened an email and you've got your bill and you're thinking, how am I going to pay that today? And you're in the secret place. It's there straight away. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one he makes me to lie down in green pastures. We've just remembered who our God is. He is the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is the one who shall supply our needs according to his riches and glory. And that God is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He does make me to lie down in green pastures. My pastures overflow. He shall provide today. What about when you turn up on a Monday morning in the secret place and your heart is just breaking because your kids are not running after God as you'd love them to and the situations and circumstances are so tough and your heart hurts and it hurts and it hurts and you come into the secret place and you know that the Lord is your shepherd and he leads you beside quiet waters. And the one who formed you in your mother's womb, the one who has fearfully and wonderfully made you, he stills the water and he says, drink. And by the quiet waters, he restores the soul. He gives you the sustenance for the journey. Maybe you're thinking on that Monday morning, I've got 20 decisions to make and I've got 40 people expecting me to make them God in the next three and a half minutes what am I going to do and you come into the secret place and you remember that he guides me along paths of righteousness for his name 
sake, who is the one who's guiding you? The author and perfecter of your faith, the creator and sustainer of life, the one who speaks the word and it is done, the one who speaks the word and it is finished. He is your shepherd and oh, how he will give you wisdom for the day. And perhaps you're facing conflict. Perhaps you've got meeting after meeting today where people just want to tear you down. Perhaps you've got conflict in your family and then you remember that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Who is with you? Child of God, who is with you? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is with you. His rod and staff, they shall comfort you. He shall prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head, yes, your head with oil. Your cup, it overflows. Surely goodness, surely mercy will follow you all the days of your life and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We have shut the door. We have cried out to our Father. We have remembered and honored him for who he is and what he's done. Faith has arisen. We have ushered in the presence of God. He has given us fullness of joy. He has strengthened us and now he gives you your daily bread. You are sustained for the journey. The second way in which God grows us in Christ is by forgiving us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You know, when we shut the door and pray to our Father in heaven, he brings us into the secret place of his refining fire. The secret place is designed by God, you see, to, for him to deal with things in our hearts that stop us from growing in Christ. The sin that pushes us away from him. Simply, it's the secret place of Father's refiner's fire. In Malachi 3, 2, it says this, for he will be like a refiner's fire. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. You know, the heart of God is for us to become more like him, more Christ-like. We see this in the Old Testament and New Testament where God commands his people to be holy as he himself is holy. Throughout the New Testament, we're taught and encouraged to become more Christ-like in the way we speak and think and act. But such growth will never occur by being prayed for by the man of God at the latest conference. You see, there are countless examples in the New Testament of people being publicly prayed for, for healing, uh, to receive their sight, to walk again, to be set free of demons. But I can't find anywhere in the New Testament a man or woman being healed of pride or being delivered from being a gossip or being set free of envy through public prayer. But what I do see in the New Testament is Zacchaeus having Jesus come to his house and in the privacy of his house, in the secret place, a character, a change occurs. What I do see is Peter in John chapter one being in a place of solitude with Jesus and in this secret place, Peter experiences the refiner's fire, the place where the pure and the impure are separated and the impurities are then removed. You know, for Peter, Jesus comes to deal with his pride we see it at the Last Supper in Matthew 26, verses 33 to 35. Peter twice says, look, Jesus, if everyone deserts you, I won't. I'll even die for you. 
And then as well as dealing with Peter's pride, Jesus comes to deal with his fear of man and his insecurities. Because a few hours later in the courtyard of Caiaphas the high priest, we see on three occasions, twice the servant girls and once the bystanders, Peter denying the man he said two hours ago, I would die for you. And Jesus uses this secret place to bring Peter into his refiner's fire, removing from his life the pride and the fear of man, which was stopped the Christ-like life growing in him, but also hinder the call of God that's on his life. So in response to Peter's three denials, Jesus asks him three times the question, do you love me? And in so doing, Jesus is able to go after areas in Peter's heart that need refining. You see, it's in the secret place, this place of intimacy with Father, that the Holy Spirit is able to walk the corridors of our hearts and convict us of areas that need to be refined so that we can become more Christ-like. But as well as forgiving us our sins, he also uses his refiner's fire to convict us to forgive those who have sinned against us because God will not let his children hold on to unforgiveness. Why? Because he knows how destructive unforgiveness is in our lives. The old theologian, uh, Lewis Smead, he said this. He said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that you were that prisoner. See, literally unforgiveness imprisons our hearts. But the beauty of the secret place is that as we're reminded of Christ's cross and what it costs God to forgive us our sin, what else can we do but obey and forgive as the Holy Spirit whispers in the chambers of our hearts, Rob, in light of the cross, in light of the fact that I gave my only son for you, that you are worth the very blood of God, how can you not forgive your brother? In light of the cross, Rob, you got nowhere to go. In light of the cross, Rob, you are bankrupt. In light of the cross, forgive as you have been forgiven. And the result, we grow. We grow because God, by his grace, is now able to remove the impurities, the pain, the hurt, the disappointment that others have caused in our lives. And we are then set free and refined more and more into the image of God. We have shut the door. We have called out to our Father in heaven. We have honored him for who he is and what he's done. He has rewarded us with faith and a heart of gratitude, a kingdom mindset. He has ushered in the presence of God. In his presence, we have experienced fullness of joy, strength for today. And then he grows us in Christ by giving us in the secret place our daily bread to sustain us for the journey. He has given us in a secret place forgiveness of sins, refining us in his fire. And finally, he grows us in Christ by leading us not into temptation, but delivering us from evil. Simply when we shut the door and pray to our Father in heaven, God equips us for the fight. You know, we've just given Elijah a bit of time to get to Mount Horeb, but he's now there. And so he's out Mount Horeb in 1 Kings 19. He's at the mountain of God. It's just him and his Father God. And there in the secret place, Elijah seems to have lost the stomach for the fight that's ahead of him. When he says to God in 1 Kings 19, verse 14, the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, 
And now they're trying to kill me too, as if God didn't know. In effect, he's saying, God, it's a mess. I'm losing this battle. Where are you? Simply, Elijah has arrived in a secret place, defeated and in despair. What happens next? God equips him for the fight. How? 1 Kings 19.11 tells us, the Lord said, go out, stand on the mountain in my presence, for I am about to pass by. God rewards him in the secret place with his presence. And as you can read in 1 Kings 19, God's presence is not found in a great and powerful earthquake or a mighty wind or a ferocious fire, but instead it's found in the still, small voice of God. Elijah experiences God's presence through Father's still, small voice. And in this experience, God reminds Elijah that he is El Shaddai, God Almighty, Sovereign Lord of all, as he instructs Elijah on what is gonna happen next in Israel's history and the part that Elijah will play in it. As he lets Elijah know that he's not alone, that God himself has reserved 7,000 Israelites who have not bowed the knee to Baal. God equips us for the fight through his presence as he reminds us that when we come to him in weakness, his power is made perfect in us, that his grace is sufficient for us, that we are to live not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of God. Elijah arrived at Horeb, defeated and in despair, and he left empowered and equipped for the fight by God's presence. You know, we need equipping and empowering for the fight too. We need to come into that secret place each day and be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit, equipped and ready for the fight that lies ahead of us that day. The fight to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. The fight to speak and think and act like Christ in everything we do. The fight to not lose our temper with our kids, to not gossip about others, to be an encouraging voice in our family, to speak life into desperate situations, to bring light into dark places, to carry hope to the hopeless. This is what happens in the secret place. The reality is, is that I don't think that would have taken more than 15 minutes to do, to shut the door, to call on our Father, to hallow him for who he is and what he's done, receiving faith and a heart of gratitude as a result. And then in his presence, we get to grow in Christ as he gives us our daily bread that sustains us for the journey. We get to grow in Christ as he forgives us our sins and we forgive those who sin against us in his refiner's fire. We get to grow in Christ as he leads us not into temptation but delivers us from evil as he equips us for the fight. The choice is ours. God has given us this most amazing gift and weapon called prayer. But it's up to us to use it. God's available 24-7. How available are you? How available am I? You know, I'm sure there's a lot of us sitting here going, yeah, come on, I need to go again, or I need to go deeper in my prayer life with God. I need to, I need to be pushing into these areas. Uh, maybe I need to get up maybe 15 minutes earlier this week so I can pray for 15 minutes 
and spend that time with God. I have no doubt that some of you here are thinking that. And if you are thinking that, can I just leave you with the best bit of advice that anyone ever gave me when it came to getting up a bit earlier to pray? My mate, my good friend, I thank God for him, John McManus. He said to me, Rob, if you wanna get up 15 minutes earlier to pray, so I tell you the secret, you need to go to bed 15 minutes earlier. And he's right. I've put that into practice for almost 30 years. He's right. And every time I stay up later, I struggle to get up. But when I go to bed on time, and I'm disciplined, I'm intentional and deliberate, I find I can get up. It's not rocket science but there's a heart of the Father to run into and he's waiting for us to run. Should you pray? Father God, we, uh, we thank you for the cross. We thank you, God, that you loved us so much, that you gave your only son to die for us, that we might believe, that we might not perish, that we might have eternal life, that we might know you as Father. And we thank you, God, that, Lord, you've brought us back to this original design of knowing you and having a relationship with you through Christ's cross. And, Lord, we want to just access your presence every day because we know in your presence there is fullness of joy. There is strength for the journey. There is that refiner's fire that helps us grow and become more like Jesus. There is that bread for the journey, that sustenance that helps us to keep going again and again and again. And Lord, there is that fight, that equipping for the fight. Lord, that opportunity to put on the armor of God, that opportunity, Father, to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit so that we might be that salt and light, that we might be, Lord, that ambassador of Christ, that we might be that colony of heaven on earth. So God, in our hearts, Lord, we, we want to access and we want to push in more. And we know, God, it's our choice, but Lord, we just ask for your grace and your strength in Jesus' name to know you more. Amen.